We the people. We the people. We the people of the United States. We the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. No warrants shall issue. But upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seen. Fourth Amendment of the United States Constitution. Welcome back, my friends. It is Constitution Thursday, the Saturday podcast. I'm here, Dave. I'm here, Matt, the lawyer. Chat room Jeff is here. Yeah. Present. We're all good. Chat room Jeff and his. You decided not to wear a communist T-shirt today, apparently, yes, I, in, in honor of what's not going on in exactly primary today. The amazing coincidence is lining right. up there, right? Funny how that all works out in the big scheme of things. But today we we take a look at something we've all been looking at very closely over the past uh, week or so, and that is the Fernandez versus California ruling. Pat, now you blogged about this some yes, time I did. ago. We'll get into that in just a moment. We'll lay out the the case for you. We'll give you the arguments. How the talk a little bit about why there is a Fourth Amendment to begin with. We'll look at what the court actually decided and where it goes from that. You want to join us? Well, this isn't live, obviously, but you can go to ConstitutionThursday.com. Check out all our all of our great writings there, including Chatroom Chef, who's finally decided to start writing again. Woohoo! And you can e- always email us at podcast at ConstitutionThursday.com. We'd love to hear from you about what you think about the United States Constitution. It's Constitution Thursday, the Saturday podcast. So all of this begins, as so much does, it seems, these days, with the Los Angeles Police Department. Yes. Who once again is, uh, I don't even know what the word for it is. All right, so let's lay out the case here, Pat. You kind of give me the broad broad overview of what happened here. Okay, okay. You've got a gentleman standing on the street and... This other gentleman comes up and makes some gang-related statements. No juggalo him. stuff. Yeah, no. Yeah, attacks him, stabs him, and runs. Police are called. <laughs> That's that sounds like a rap song. Attacks <laughs> him, stabs him, runs with juggalos. <laughs> no wait, not no juggalos. No, no, no juggalos. Yeah, the juggalos would make this case perfect, wouldn't, wouldn't it? it? Would it would uh, it would tie in the show so would, well, wouldn't it? It would. So anyway, the, the the defendant runs off. Police come to are called. Uh, some of the people in the crowd basically say, oh, we know who did it. It's Mr. Fernandez. He lives over in that building there in that apartment. And so the police go to that apartment. Right. So the the, the police didn't actually chase him there. No, the police didn't chase right. him there. So that's something I misunderstood. I thought they chased uh, him. Well, I, maybe I, I, from the facts I've read, yeah, they, they were told, hey, he, he lives in that building. Go get him. And so the police go to the build, that building. They go to the apartment. They knock on the door. A woman answers. Uh, she's got some bruises, some some signs that she's been abused. So they're, you know, sort of wondering what's going on there. At that point, Mr. Fernandez comes into the room, says, in, you know, best law and order fashion, you can't come in here, get a warrant, go away, you can't come in. Now, Which the, would appear on the surface of it, as I understand things, to be essentially saying you cannot come in. That's, that's his Fourth Amendment rights. He's asserting his go Fourth Amendment rights. Okay. Now, the police still come in because, and they can, because they've got 
number one, signs that the wife was beaten or the woman was beaten. How do they even know at this point who this woman is? Well, they don't know who she is, but, I mean, she, they know she, she shows signs of being beaten. And they also, of course, have a description of the suspect from the guy downstairs. They conduct a safety search to make sure there's nobody else in the apartment. Now, what is a safety search? Basically, it's where the... Basically, it's where the police go around the apartment just to make sure there's no other threats there. There's nobody else with a gun. There's no no one else that would pose a threat. Now, this is not an safety. evidence search. Is no, that it's correct? not an evidence search. They're not looking for any evidence at this point. What if they see evidence? If they see evidence that's in plain sight, I believe they can still use it. But, but, but they I, have um, to go back and they, get a warrant. They have to go not, back not, and get a warrant. Not anything like the, uh, was it the fruit from the forbidden tree? Yeah, I mean, I'm, to be honest, I'm not positive what the situation would be there, but I know they were not looking for evidence, and they did not obtain any evidence at that point. They, Which is really the key here, as the Supreme Court will later tell us, uh, when is really the issue here. Right. And so, so, so they, they, they they've take, gone in, even though he said no. Well, they've gone in because of both he looks like the suspect and because of the beating signs. They take him in, to, they take him downstairs to have the suspect, the stabbing victim, say, yep, that's the guy that stabbed me. Who obviously isn't badly hurt. No, he's not badly hurt. Right. And they then cart Mr. Fernandez off to, to jail on both assault and robbery and suspicion of spousal abuse or somebody abuse. Right. Domestic. Domestic abuse. They then come back and talk to this woman, Mrs. Rojas, who they determine is, in fact, someone who lives there. And they basically say, hey, we'd, we'd like to look around. And at this point, and this is one of the things that really, really bothered me about the case, they take Mrs. Rojas into one room. They take her four-year-old child why, into why did another they do room. Does she say no at this point, she, even she, though she said yes before? Well, she, didn't, she had never actually said one way or another before whether they ah, search. Okay. So, so they just went in on a safety search. They just went on, in on a safety on exigent search. Circumstances. Exigent circumstances okay. and the fact that the guy downstairs had said, you know, a guy wearing, you know, an orange shirt and tan pants with a beard stabbed me. And there's a guy there dressed exactly like that. So they, I'm with. So they take the two people, take the Mrs. Rojas into one room, the child into the other room. Now, ostensibly, I am assuming the police are saying, "Well, we're taking the child into the other room because it's a four-year-old, and you know we don't want them to deal with you know what we're going to be talking to you about." In fact, while the police have the four-year-old in the other room, they obtain from them statements that Mr. Fernandez had beaten up mommy from the four-year-old. From the four-year-old. Oh, good. And with Mrs. Rojas, who's like, I, I don't know that I want to let you search. They're saying things like, you know, it sure would be a shame if CPS got called. You know, all of this violence here and there may be drugs or gangs. Gosh, wouldn't it be terrible if, you know, CPS gets called? Your now, all of this is in the syllabus, away. right? All of this is, is acknowledged by the oh, court yes. that this actually happened. Oh, yeah, this happen. all actually okay. happened. So basically, they're pressuring Mrs. Rojas to say, search, let us search or they're going to take her kid away. So they law and ordered her, right? You always see that on law and order where they split the defendants up and they kind of pressure them. Well, so yeah, case, but I mean, this is a little that. different pressuring, right. I think, than a law and order. I mean, here they're threatening to a take, four-year-old. A, they're threatening to take a four-year-old child away SVU, from his mother. I mean, they do it in SVU all the time. You know? <laughs> Stop watching TV. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and so Mrs. I'm not a lawyer, but I play one on the radio. Yeah, Mrs. Rojas does eventually agree to allow the search. She signs the the search consent. Although later she says basically, "Hey, they." They, they forced me to they do, forced it. Me course, to do right, it. Right. And, and as I think you said when you talked about it earlier on, on your show, I mean, there's no question Mr. Fernandez is a scumball. I mean, they found gang material. They found uh, 
guns. They found evidence of drugs. I mean, he's he's there's no they have a witness to him beating up on me. Yeah. I mean, there's no no question that he's a slime ball. But for me, there's a serious question. And that's why it went up to the Supreme Court of was it really justified? Was it really right the way they got to do the search? Because under the law, if somebody objects to a search, it doesn't matter what their roommate or spouse says. If they say no, the police have to go get a warrant. I mean, you know, if the police come to your house and both you and Cammie are there and they're looking for illicit, you know, Russian liquor and Canadian candy. Which we do have. Which you do have. No, you don't. You don't have. But, you know, technically it's not illicit. Technically, I didn't. I I did pay the import taxes. Right. But I mean, if pay the California, if if they want to search and Cammie (laughs) says, go ahead and search and you say no, they can't search. Now, if you leave, so they have to have unanimous. Well, either they uh, have to, they have to have consent. Well, they have to have consent to search from the person they're searching against. So, if Cammy says it's okay to search, and they find evidence against her, that's cool, right? But if you say no, and they find evidence against you, they, they can't, can't use, use it. it. Okay. Of course, if you get in your car and drive over to Carl's Jr. to have a burger, yeah, they they so can, now you're in a Noriega Manuel Noriega position where you just don't want to leave your compound. They can do whatever they right. want. The problem, obviously, here. And the issue that came up before the court is it's the police that put Mr. Fernandez in handcuffs and drug him away from the scene. He didn't leave voluntarily. Right. Do we really want the cops to be in a position of saying, gosh, well, we can pretty much arrest anybody we want if we really want to. Let's just arrest everybody we want to search against. And yeah, but we, we've we, got it done. Do you agree that a significant portion of the population thinks that anyway? Thinks that, that the police are just going to arrest whoever they want anyway? Yeah. And and. They probably could. Well, not, I, not, I, I don't. I don't think they I don't, are. I mean, I don't I, think they do. Right. I think they could. But they. I've had a conversation with a police officer before about traffic issues. Right. And the exact quote was, "I can follow anybody for a mile and find a reason yeah, to pull and them I, over." And I've had conversations right. with friends who are cops who basically say, "If I really want to slap the cuffs on you and take you downtown for a couple hours, I'll find a reason. I can do it." Maybe the police could learn a thing or two from King Henry VIII. He would know what to do in this situation. Lock Mr. Fernandez in the Tower of London until he can do a warrantless search and find a reason to cut off his head. Oh, wait. I guess that is one of the reasons people left merry old England and came to America in 1620. Mr. Fernandez, now detained by the police, in custody, as it were, facing charges. Many charges. Among which are domestic abuse, robbery, assault, so forth and so on. I think some gang membership charges. But he is continuing to say, even in custody, as I understand it, you cannot search. I did not give permission to search. He, He continues to say that. Which he has supposedly a right to do in the Fourth Amendment. Uh, no warrant shall issue but upon probable cause, supported by an oath or affirmation, particularly describing the place to be searched and the person or things to be searched. Now, that's the warrant side of this. If you go back to the original, the, the, the front side of the Fourth Amendment, the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. Shall not being the operative yeah, part of that to me. Shall not seems pretty... So how did we get to this? How did... We... we, we if I had to, it's, it's interesting to me because I often ask people, especially political candidates, what's the most important right and why? And there's really no right answer to that. I'm just trying to see how they think. Right. 
And invariably, I'd say 90% of them say the First Amendment. The other 10% say the Second Amendment. Nobody ever gets to this one. And in many ways, without this one, you don't have the others. Is that true? I and mean, I've argued all the time that part of the problem with the king and the, um, the, the star chambers and that sort of thing back in the day was that the government, the king particularly, didn't require warrants, didn't require probable cause. He could just essentially go get whatever he wanted. Now, the Fourth Amendment came about, of course, as we know, because of the anti-federalist position on the Constitution that said, hey, you, you, you need to guarantee these rights, and they're not guaranteed. Ha- uh, Madison's argument was, it's already in there. It, it's a charter... It's a charter of negative liberties, as right. I think someone was. It's not a charter of negative liberties. It's a charter of government controls. And clearly in Article 1 is the, the habeas corpus shall not be suspended, except in time of you know war and, and, and grave national need. And in fact, as far as I know, it's only been suspended. It wasn't even suspended during World War II, as far as I know, although it was, just not technically. I mean, Roosevelt never came out and said that, whereas Lincoln actually did suspend habeas corpus. Now... Habeas corpus means that essentially that the government cannot come in and just take over and, and just throw you in jail and keep you there for no reason, and, or until, I guess as the king would put it, until we find a reason to keep you here. Which the king loved to do. They did. Yeah. On a fairly regular basis. I mean, you don't have to go back. Henry I'm the, putting you in there because I'm the king and I say so. Well, Henry VIII yeah. is a great example of somebody that would manage to lock people away until they found a reason to cut their heads off. As Mel Brooks would say, it's good to be the king. It is good to be the king. <laughs> but we, were, we had come from a nation where we had experienced this to, a, degree, to a, a greater or lesser degree, I guess. You'd have to say a lesser degree in the colonies initially. I mean, part of the reason, as, um, as, as Wilkes, uh, Mr. Colonel Bear said, was we didn't come to America. Our ancestors didn't come to America because they loved England. They didn't come here because everything was great, sunshiny, and, and, and rose gardens in England. They came here because they were being oppressed and they were being criticized. You know, Their rights were being violated. They came here because they wanted freedom, even back to 1642 or 1620, whenever it was that the... Uh, when did the pilgrims come here? 1620. 1620. Yeah, they left Plymouth, landed in Plymouth. Yeah. How lucky is that? Um <laughs> And it, the reason they came again. Yeah, right. Wow. They, the reason they came here was not because they loved where they were. They left there because they were being oppressed. And part of that oppression was a was a governmental system that did not abide by that. Although the English Constitution allowed for it, it seemed like the king would would manage to work around that. The the general warrants that would be issued, uh, Burke, um, John Wilkes, of course, is uh, famous. I mean, he's. He's the guy when it comes to 1700s liberty thought processes. He finds he finds himself. He's publishing a newspaper. Finds himself under arrest under a general warrant where they just decide, eh, we don't like what you're saying. Your, your newspaper is not acceptable right. to us. It's, it's criticizing the king, and this guy's a sitting member of parliament, and they basically throw him in jail. And he, of course, appeals to the to the to the English court. The English courts, in in what can only be regarded as an amazing step, I guess, in the direction of liberty, the English courts tell, they slap the king down and say, no, you can't do that. Which was a bold thing to it do in a time. really was. When the king could have potentially sent the guard soldiers in to the court to drag those people off. He could have done that. He, could, I mean, they still hung people for what they called treason in those days. Yeah. And defying the king would be something along those lines. Our framers looked at this, and they really, as, as, 
they drew from that, but they also drew from the American Revolutionary period where we were left alone, I guess, for the most part, until Boston gets out of hand. And then they basically turn Boston into this military governorship with, a, with, a, with an occupation, part of which is there is no habeas corpus, there is no general warrant. If we want to go into something, we're going in. And the Redcoats knock on your door, and if you answer the door, great. If you don't? They'll knock it down. Yeah, you don't have a door They anymore. will come in, yeah. And start throwing people in prison, start throwing people in jail. Um, it, it's a fascinating study of history because uh, Gage, General Gage, of course, who's running the, the British side of things in Boston just prior to the outbreak of war, he's in a catch-22. I mean, he's, he's 3,000, what is it, 3,500 miles from London in, in 1775. So communication isn't like it is today where you... Dear King, what do you want me to do now? Yeah, and there's no instant text messaging. That is one of the interesting things I think about looking at that period is because of that communication, like how many things are different because they couldn't talk directly to each other. You have to wonder, and there are people who really do wonder, you know, Gage's actions or specifically his lack of actions in, in that time frame, basically leading up to Lexington and Concord. Would would it could have been a different if Parliament had said, "Don't do that." Yeah, you, you have to wonder. I mean, you, you do. I slightly off topic. I've been listening to a book, uh, audio book about the War of eighteen twelve, and the fact that the whole reason we declared war on the British in the War of eighteen twelve was because the orders in council that were repealed before we declared war. Right. So if we you know, had well, communication back then, we would have known. Oh, they fixed the thing we were goes, mad about. Goes back to the cargo of the Brig Aurora. I mean, oh, we got this law, but. In the meantime, it went into effect, but the ship left port before the law went into effect. It's just, it's all a mess. The framers looked at all this and they said, you know what? There's a real simple solution to this. You can't search without a warrant. And that warrant better have probable cause. That rule, that warrant better have, as it says, you have to, uh, you have to issue the warrant, which means that uh, the judicial system has to get involved in this. Somebody has to oversee that. And you can't do it without probable cause supported by an oath or affirmation, which is important. That means somebody has to say, this is what, this, this is why we're doing this. And specifically and particularly describing the place to be searched and the person and things to be seized. Now, I've, I've mentioned on numerous occasions, my brother is a, is a sheriff's deputy, and, and we've had conversations about search warrants and that sort of thing. Um, and I would never put him in the position of officially representing his department, but that's what he said to me. He said that these things are very detailed. I mean, you have to get down to the, we're looking for this, this item in this specific northwest corner, three feet below this window, right? In this, on this floor of this address. And if anything's wrong in there, that thing's going to get tossed out. Well, you can't also, you can't collect any additional evidence. If you see, if you're going in for a knife and you happen to find a gun, you, you can't, you can't take you that. You got to go back and get you another one. You have to go war. back and get another one. Right, which, which by the time could get time consuming. Exactly, and by the time you get another warrant for that, it's not it's not like you see on TV and in in the movies where they just come in. We've got a warrant, and they basically tear the place upside down and find everything they want to find. Which, of course, brings us back around to Mister Fernandez, who's sitting in a jail cell, still saying, screaming, "Do not, do not search. go in, do not go in, do not go in." His his wife, girlfriend, his girlfriend, yeah, his, significant other, whom he apparently, uh, you know, I'm going to leave my thoughts on wife beaters for the moment, but. He is think, mistreating her. I think the fact that we said earlier he's a total slime ball falls pretty close. Yeah. Pretty close. I, yeah. I'd buy into that. Um, 
she has been separated from her four-year-old son in an attempt to coerce her. I, I don't think it's an I, attempt. I think they coerced. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I, I don't know how you could classify that as anything I mean, but I, coercion. Yeah, I mean, I don't have children, but I, I mean, I can imagine how you would be with Ben or how I, I would wouldn't be, even let them separate or, or how I would be with right. even my niece and nephew that if they're saying we're going to do something to them if you don't sign this. Right. I no. I personally, I would not allow them to even separate. Right. I mean, that's that's my first move. They they had no. What's the probable cause to separate? Them? I considering what they got from the child. I don't know because the only thing I could see them arguing is, well, he's a four year old child, and we're going to be talking about you know beatings and violence and such, and we don't want to expose a child to that. But the child yeah, is already you told them. them right. Yeah. Say you're using the child's testimony to to convict the the guy there. Yeah. Him, so anyway, I. Putting all that aside, so we, we eventually we get her permission to go back in, sort of, to search for what is evidence against Senor Fernandez. Yes, not against Mrs. Rojas. Yes, evidence against Mr. Fernandez. How do you feel about this? You okay with it? Bad about this? What do you think, Jeff? Mm, still, it's making you fishy. feel oogie, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I know it's it. I know how it makes you feel. Yeah. Pat's, Pat's, <laughs> Pat is physically revolting right now. <laughs> <laughs> Even as he sits in his seat. How long is long enough for the police to wait for Mr. Fernandez to allow them to search his home? Is one hour long enough? A day? A week? Isn't there an obvious answer here? And doesn't it go to that touchstone thing that Justice Scalia writes about? Eventually, through a long process of trials, Mr. Rojas, by the way, Mr. Rojas, I'm Mr. Fernandez. Mr. Fernandez is eventually convicted of his crime. Yes, yeah, so the state of California. The whole way he's screaming, they can't search. They can't search. No can't search. No search. No search. Right. Right. And in fact, they basically get an agreement with the prosecution that he can keep saying that. appealing that right. issue even if he's convicted which is going to be and eventually he is convicted and that becomes his basis of his appeal is that this is an unlawful unre, unlawful and unreasonable search yes and it's all based on the fact that he said no which of course is what raises all of the questions the court looked at this the supreme court when this eventually makes its way to the supreme court and here's where it's it's such a i don't even know Justice Alito delivered the opinion of the court. And Alito, of course, is one of the, the conservatives, if you will. Right. I mean, he's, you're not going to mistake him for a libertarian wobbler. He's not, <laughs> he's not a hardcore right or hardcore left liberal no, I mean, leaning. He's probably not as conservative as Scalia. But, or Thomas. But then who is yeah. as conservative <laughs> as, as Scalia? I mean, well... Although he's Again, actually, Scalia's actually an interesting right. If we, I've got his book. His book is fascinating. How to argue, and I and I love that book. It's a, if you've not read that Scalia's or, book on how to debate, how to argue. I haven't read that. I have read the biography of his on him by the same one that did biographies of O'Connor. She's done several Supreme Court bios, and it's, he's, he does actually have a very interesting life. But you have to wonder, and this is where I fall off the bus on this whole thing, and I want to get both of your thoughts on it. Conservative and liberal are pejorative terms. I'm not, I'm not, people use those terms to try to label people. Right, right. I prefer, did they do the right thing or not? And I would expect a conservative justice. 
to look at the Fourth Amendment and go, huh, let's see what it says here. Uh, the right of the people to be secure in a house shall not be violated. And no warrants shall issue but upon probable cause, blah, 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 blah. Neither of those two things happened here. Right? Well, did they get probable cause after the fact? But they didn't get a warrant. But they didn't get a warrant. I mean, they came in to, to take right. them away. They got, they got her permission to go in. Right. They did not go to a judge and say, okay, we, we have probable Which, cause to enter here. And they didn't get a, a warrant for the second search either. Correct? They got her permission. Which, again, I as I think when, we, when I talked on your show earlier this week, why didn't they get a warrant? I mean, what judge is going to say, okay, he's a, you've got a beaten-up girlfriend, you've got the victims pointing his finger at him saying, yeah, he did it. What judge is right. going to say no on a warrant? Yeah, you got to think that even the most leftist, liberal-leaning... Um, and, of course, our society sucks, what, right? And the police know what to. judges to go to anyway. Right. Well, they say they don't do that. Okay, no such thing as judge shopping. What do okay, you? Oh, that's right. I, I got to drive home, so no, the police so, don't do that. Here's here's my question: What do you think as you sit here looking at this before we actually rip into the case itself? And and we don't have a lot of time to go really in depth on it. There's really only one element in the case that really bothers me that I think the whole thing hinges on. But if you're a conservative, if you live, believe the Constitution the way we do. How do you look at that and come to any conclusion other than this was an un unreasonable and unlawful search? You don't. I, yeah. I think, and I haven't said much because obviously I'm the outsider here. Oh. But no, you're uh, not. I, I would. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do my homework very well. Sorry. No, but for for this to come in to say that you don't have a warrant and you're coming in because somebody else who who shares your apartment, it, it, you could also argue is her name on the lease? Is she? part owner of that but in but but even still it doesn't give it doesn't give pat the right to say go ahead and search my stuff and and i think they got it wrong i think they i think this one got wrong because that he never gave permission to to search his stuff obviously i think they got it really really wrong does it we're going to talk about some of the dissenting comments later but does it does it surprise anybody that justice ginsburg who is irascible and probably the next one to be replaced um, is so passionate about how simple this case is. No, I mean, and that, and that, I mean, like I said, we'll get into it in a minute, but that is the interesting thing. If you go and read her dissenting opinion, it's, it's wonderful how, although she keeps it in that nice legal language, right? This is one PO'd justice. She is. She's very angry. And I, you know, if you've ever heard her, and I mean, and one of the nice things, as I said the other day about the Supreme court now is you can actually hear these arguments. She is not very articulate on the bench. She's very old. Yeah. Um, she's, her speech is very slurred, and sometimes she's very hard to understand. But doggone it, she, uh, she wrote it very clearly. Uh, what part? I mean, basically her dissent is, what part of shall not be violated is it that's confusing to you? Yeah. And, and it's, well, I don't think she was happy with the idea that the, of the, old, the original ruling that said, you know. Right, Randolph. The, the Randolph ruling that said you can... I mean, I can see the logic of if you both live in a in a place together and you share the lease, you you just sort of accept the fact that the other person has control over the property as much as you do. Yeah. But if you're standing there screaming no, which is is part of what this whole thing did. Now the court looked at this, and here's where. All right, this is an exact quote from the ruling. This is the majority opinion, and I, we don't have time to go through all thirty pages of it. But but this to me, this is the crux of the court's matter. Okay. The Fourth Amendment prohibits unreasonable searches and seizures and provides 
that a warrant may not be issued without probable cause, but, quote, the text of the Fourth Amendment does not specify when a search warrant must be obtained, unquote, Kentucky v. King. Our case establishes that a warrant is generally required for a search of a home, Brigham City versus Stewart, but the ultimate touchstone of the Fourth Amendment is, quote-unquote, reasonableness. And certain categories of permissible warrantless searches have been long recognized. Now, I don't know about anybody else, but I'm reading this and I'm going, the touchstone of the Fourth Amendment is reasonableness or shall not be violated? I, I would go with shall not <laughs> yeah. be violated. So I'm already off well, the rails. I mean, I can. I guess I can. I, I understand what he's saying. I understand. I guess where he's getting to that if it's, it's only it shall not uh, shall not be violated by an unreasonable search. But still, I mean, right. But is that the touchstone? Is that is that the real when the, when when Madison sat down to write this over his own objections because you know he didn't think it was necessary, but he he did it anyway. Do you think that in his mind was going well? They can do a warrantless search as long as it's reasonable. The, the king can come in and do what he wants as long as he's nice about it. Right. Do, do you think that ever crossed his mind? No. Or was his mind no. on, <laughs> we're just going to tell them they can't do that. And we'll give them a way to do it, which is they need to make it reasonable and they need to go convince a judge that it's reasonable, and then the judge will let them do it. But Well, and I mean, part of what he's saying there in the majority opinion is correct, and I think we all agree. You know, if you know, the police are doing a drug raid, and, you know, they hear somebody in the bathroom, you know, they can, you know, even if they don't have a warrant, yeah, they can go in and stop the guy from flushing the evidence down the toilet. Or if they're walking down the street and they hear blood-curdling screams, you know, they can go in. You know, there are exceptions that I think even the most ardent Fourth Amendment advocate is okay with because it's an emergency. But there wasn't one here. Right. There's no emergency. There's, there's nothing to stop them from getting a warrant. It's not like somebody's going to go in and clean up the apartment. Everybody's out of it. Well, so, or, I mean, or I would have no problem with them stationing an officer right. to just stand there and, you know, have a nice cup of tea with Mrs. Rojas and play a game. Talk with about the, the weather. Talk about the weather. You know, watch Caillou with the four-year-old. Oh, you <laughs> son of a. <laughs> All right. But, so the court. But, but in some of these cases, if I'm correct, you've got, you've got judges on, for lack of a better term, on call that can write a warrant at midnight if they need to yes. based on the case. Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't was always like, an on-call judge for that purpose. It, so, so they didn't have to wait four or five days. They could have actually no. called up the judge and say, hey, here's what's going this could on. Have taken, literally, I mean, by minutes. this point, in by fact, this point, I would have to guess that they have pre-prepped, in fact, formatted I, I would expect search that. warrants. In fact, I would guess, that if I remember right from the, the facts of the case, it was about an hour after Mr. Fernandez was taken downtown that they came back to talk to Mrs. Rojas. I would guess within that hour they probably could have gotten the warrant. Easily. See, and you Easily. say that my law and order watching doesn't pay off. See? <laughs> so here's the here's the crux of what the court had to say though, and that is this it never the 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 second or the fourth amendment, sorry, says that we have to have a warrant, but it doesn't say in the court's own word, but it doesn't specify when the search warrant must be obtained. And boy, those are chilling words. I mean, the, oh, yes. I read those and I went I missed that the first time. Holy crap. Well, when, when you texted that to me, I was like, are you asking me a question? You know, no, that's not true. Wait a minute. That's from an opinion? Yeah. But wait a minute. Can't you Two not? You, you can't pass a bill that's post. Ex post facto. Thank you. So now you can issue a warrant ex post facto? Well, that's what the court argues. How long, Mr. Rojas, now this is where we're at now. Mr. Rojas Mr. says, 
don't come in. You can't come in. You do not have my permission to come in. Even if the court says, okay, that's valid, how long is that valid for? Good question. I would say as long as he says it. Uh, uh, if he's given permission, I would think it goes on in, you know, throughout. It, same thing happens with, uh, uh, okay, I'll have to come back after the break and, and, and bring it up. Sorry. We all think that the court got this one wrong, but there doesn't seem to be much that we can do about it. Or is there? What lessons can we take from Fernandez versus California? Before us, the Supreme Court trying to wrestle with the issues of Fernandez versus California, which uh, Pat blogged about some months ago when the, when the court's docket list came out. I, I couldn't resist that one. You could. And and your, your original thoughts six, eight months ago was? I couldn't see how the court could possibly have held this as valid. I, I assumed... All of the people that are in that majority would have, well, would have been in the majority, but have been in the majority saying, no, 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 no. Yeah. What part of shall not be violated is confusing here. Well, maybe not Scalia and Thomas because they're. Right. But, but you come back to this, uh, what, we, what we talked about and what Jeff was talking about during the break, which was there was time to go get a warrant. There's time to go do all this. Exactly. Stuff. What is LAPD thinking that, that they don't go do this? I, I have no idea. I mean. You know, getting in, getting into the dissent, and this this is actually something I when I read the opinion, I actually cut this out of, of Ginsburg's dissent and posted it on Facebook. She says, although the police have probable cause and could obtain a warrant with dispatch, if they can gain the consent of someone other than the suspect, why should the law insist on formality of a warrant? Because the framers saw a neutral magistrate as an essential part of the criminal process, shielding all of us, good or bad saint or sinner from unchecked police activity and to me that's that's the fourth amendment in in a nutshell doesn't matter if they can get consent if we're going to have a fourth amendment they're going to get a warrant which is really what this thing is all about i mean that's what the framers wanted or it's certainly the framers of the of the 10 of the bill of rights wanted was okay we don't want a government that can just kick in anybody's door saint or sinner we, uh, we have a legal system that essentially the theory is everybody's rights are protected. And if you have to, if you, in essence, if you have to let a guilty person go to protect an innocent person's rights, so be it. And if you, you know, I was just thinking going back to original the original intent, what Madison had in mind, if you think about it, it would have been in many cases much more difficult for them to obtain a warrant mm-hmm. in 1800 than in 2012 because it, the judge might be a day's ride away and so they actually had were saying you have to have a warrant when it was a lot harder than it is now to call pick up your cell phone and call the judge and say can i have a warrant and 10 minutes later you got it so how could we argue that right there should be any exceptions really other than emergencies to this given how much harder it was back then okay but not to jump off subject here but the warrantless search, how does that affect something like, I don't know, a DUI drug test or a DUI checkpoint? 
Well, in the in the case of a DUI drug, you know, you're talking about the breathalyzer. I'm talking about yeah, you pass through the right. checkpoints you, as you drive. You've through. consented already because you got because you got a driver's license. Gotcha. By, okay. by driver's license, you've consented. That's part of getting a driver's license. Gotcha. Okay, you consent. Um, as far as the checkpoints go, the courts have been really. They've allowed those in the interest of public safety, but they've been very clear about the limits that are on them. And that's why you have to have an escape route. Well, not just that, but you have, although they don't make a big effort about it, right. I don't think. Technically, any time there is going to be a DUI checkpoint, they say, have on Rigsmore, they have to say at, at 8 o'clock on Tuesday. They don't have to tell you where, but they have to tell you that it's coming. Well, they have to basically tell you generally where it's going to be, too. Well, in the Modesto. Yeah. yeah. And, and they have to give you that escape route, but... There's nothing that says the police can't station a police officer on that escape route well, to follow you after you and, take it. Right, right. Jumping off of that, it's something that I texted you about earlier this week. I was actually driving to my office the other day, and I f- saw a smog check right, right. checkpoint where they actually had a highway patrol person sitting there waving people in to go and have smog check on the side of the road. And when I looked it up, it's supposedly it's voluntary, but I, you know, well, that's that DNA swab stuff do, down in Texas. Do they tell you when there's a highway patrolman no. there saying go in that lane? No, isn't the implication that you can say no? Guy standing there with a gun. I mean, my policy has always been never argue with a man with a gun. Yeah, got a man with a gun says, "Can we check your smog?" Te- technically, it was a woman with a gun, but well, same principle. <laughs> all right, but that was the DNA swabbing uh, down in Texas. Remember that where they where they were doing the DNA swabbing voluntarily, and then they'd pay you after the fact if you right. did it, but. They never told you it was voluntary. And I, I don't think they told any of the people. No. In, you know, I didn't get sucked in, so I. Well, the court in this uh, Fernandez case wrestles with this whole issue. And it really it comes down to when do they have to obtain the search warrant? And Fernandez, of course, continues to say, don't go in, don't go in, don't go in. They, they coerce Rojas into giving permission to, for them to come in. And so the court says, okay, how long is Mr. Fernandez's objection good for? And they spend, I swear to you, three to four pages going through these different scenarios. Is it good for a day? Is it good for a week? Is it good for a year? Is it good until his name isn't on the lease anymore? And all these various possibilities that I, I, I the I'm, more I read this, the more I kept thinking, are, these people can't possibly be going down this path. Well, I, I think the I think his objection is as good as until he says not as I was well, about ready to say before the break. It, it's kind of like your Fifth Amendment right. It, you can't do just partial on your Fifth Amendment. You know, I claim the Fifth. Oh, are you wearing orange today? Yes. As soon as you answer, you've then forfeited anything beyond that to be your Fifth Amendment right. It does it fall on the same thing. If I continue to say don't enter, don't enter, don't enter, and then five days later I say, well, yeah, maybe. Well, once you say it's okay, then, right? Then, it, but until, I mean, I don't know why this one popped into my head, but you know, if Ben asks you for a cookie, I mean, how long does your no last? And your no lasts until you say, okay, yes, Ben, you can have a cookie. He he can't say ten minutes later. Well, you said it ten minutes ago. Now I can have one. No, as long as Mister Fernandez is saying no, until he says yes, it stands. Yeah. Well, you'll be happy to know the Supreme Court disagrees with you. Based on Randolph, they say as soon as Mrs. Rojas said yes, it's over. Right. But, but the Supreme Court was wrong. But let's does say, Mrs. Rojas have claim to Mr. Fernandez's stuff? Let's let's say for the sake of argument that she doesn't. How long then is Mr. Rojas's no good for? I, I still There's s- an obvious answer here. Until he says yes. No. 
until the police go down and present probable cause to a magistrate with an well, order affirmation well, of and say, we need a warrant. Well, obviously, yes. The court never comes to that understanding. They never say in this, well, Mr. Rojas said no, but we had reason to believe, and we went down and got a warrant. They yeah. never get there. Yeah, I mean, I'm, and, and obviously, if they obtain a warrant, which they could have, that, that's all over. But I mean, in this case, isn't that that what they would have done but, if it if it had only been him saying no? Would they not have gotten they would have gotten a warrant? They would have gone and gotten a warrant. So why didn't? Again? How does the court never come to that? They spend four pages describing. Well, if he's not on the list after one year, or on the lease after one year, then perhaps Mrs. Rojas has it. Or when they, you're right, when they go, they go to obtain a warrant. Which is exactly what the Fourth Amendment says, right? Which is exactly yeah, what Justice but, Kinsburg said. But the just go get a warrant. But, but but the Fourth Amendment does not say, you know, going back to your analogy of the king. Well, yeah, you know, you can say no to the king coming in and searching your house until the king's soldiers drag you off, and then they can search. Yeah, but in this case, as you said, it. So they drag him out. He says no, no, no. All it takes, as you said before, a five minute phone call. Dude saying, no, oh, yeah, they, we've got probable cause. You go to a little hearing, at least as they do on Law and Order, as they say. <laughs> you know, they put somebody in front of them. They show the evidence. The The judge puts his glasses on at midnight and says, I better not come back up here again. It signs it, well, and then I, they go off and search, you know? I don't even think they need to do that in this case because <laughs> the impression I got was it happened in the middle of the day. So they, right, right. They didn't yeah. have to wake anybody up. They literally, as I said before, they literally could have gotten the warrant a lot faster than the hour it took them to come back. And, with and the, ask her. And, they and, with the probable, done. and with the probable evidence that they have on him already, oh, yeah. I mean, the guy signs it even right. before the ink's There's dry. no I mean, judge that's going to oh. say no under the, the facts that they had. All right. What do we learn from this? What do, what do we take away from this? What's the takeaway in Fernandez v. California? That the Supreme Court can be mind-bogglingly wrong? Sometimes people don't follow the rules and still get away with it? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on both of those. What do, what do we, how do we defend ourselves against this ruling? What are, what are some of the things we can do to say, well, never leave your house while Cam is there? <laughs> That'd be one, yeah. The teach your family to say no to or, everybody. Or stay single, and then you're the only right. one who can object. But do that. The, well, they don't have, or neither one of these have, like, marital um, no. exceptions, so you can't necessarily... It, what was was the kid his or was it not we don't, his? We don't actually know. I don't think the child was his, but I don't. I don't know the fact. Probably itself. not. How well, about how about this? I mean, we have certain law enforcement officials that are elected. In other words, they're elected officials, so we get to question them prior to their election and recall them if they piss us off and and ask them. And the what, other what's ones, your Fourth Amendment policy? And the other ones, police chiefs and all that, are supervised by elected officials who can also be asked. I mean, how often do we ask a mayor, what is the city's policy on a Fourth Amendment search? Never. Never. I mean, it should be asked. Should be starting now, shouldn't it? Also, well, if the also, mayor ever came in here, you could ask him that. Also, this <laughs> case is going to be reversed someday. I, I would imagine. Well, at least I hope this case is going to be reversed someday. That it would. All right. You got a comment or question, podcast at ConstitutionThursday.com. We'd love to hear from you about what you think about Fernandez v. California. Thanks for being with us, everybody. It's Constitution Thursday, the Saturday podcast. Constitution Thursday, the Saturday podcast, is a Slippery Fish Entertainment production. Copyright 2014. To comment or complain, email podcast at constitutionthursday.com or go to www.constitutionthursday.com.